If you would, please come on in, have a seat, and we can get started this morning. Thank you for being here. We want to welcome everyone uh, to our assembly this morning, especially if you're visiting with us. Thank you for making this part of uh, your Sunday activities. Uh, we also want to welcome all of those that still are watching online, uh, and we pray that someday you'll be able to be here with us. We come together this morning to worship the Lord. Let's begin our time together in prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you for all of the many blessings that you bestow upon us. Father, we know that, that you are the sustainer of this universe. And Father, we come together today to praise you. And Father, we pray that our worship today will be acceptable in your sight. Help us to always do what's right in your sight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remember to take the clipboard at the end of the pew and pass it down so we can have a record of everyone's attendance. Good morning. We're loud today. It works today, guys. All right. Good morning. We'll start off our worship with, we have come into his house to worship. We'll sing for, uh, the first verse of that. We'll go into come let us worship and bow down. And we'll sing verse 2 of we have come into his house. If you would, let's sing together. We have come
Father, we approach your throne with thanksgiving in our heart this morning. Father, we have so much to be thankful for, and we know that, and we want to lift you up this morning. We want to thank you for all the blessings that you provide. We want to thank you specifically for this moment that we have to come together as your body and to worship you. And Father, our prayers that everything, every single one of us is doing is in spirit and in truth. Father, we also want to thank you because... We use this time to mention those and to think about those that, that need your care and your hand on their lives. And we're so thankful that we can approach your throne with this petition. And, and Father, as we think about these individuals, as we lift them up, we want to thank you for taking care of them, for, for being with those that are ministering to them. And we want to thank you for being with us as we try to also show your love through our lives and us as we minister to them as well. Father, we're so thankful for the congregation here. I ask your blessings to be upon the elders, the deacons, the ministers. Father, for all of our Bible school teachers and every single one of us as we, as we try to be as one together to serve you and to advance your kingdom and to glorify you in this community. And Father, we... My last petition this morning, or our last petition, is that you'll just 
Forgive us of our sins. And Father, we're so thankful that you do that. And we're so thankful for Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And so, Father, please forgive us as we fall short. But God, help us as we try to live for you each and every day. Go with us as we continue this service. And Father, help us open our hearts to these songs and to these prayers and to your word and to your supper in just a moment. It's in Christ's name. Amen. If you'd like to use your hymnal for the invitation song, the song will be number 904 if you'd like to mark that at this time, number 904. Next we'll sing, I Stand in Awe, number 96, followed by How Great Thou Art. Uh, I would ask that at the chorus that we'd all stand together as we sing, I Stand in Awe. So when, when we get to that point, I'd ask that we all stand together and then we'll go right into How Great Thou Art. Number nine. You are beautiful beyond
Scripture reading this morning comes from Psalms 40:16. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. Good morning, church. It is so great to see you today, and isn't it beautiful outside? But that pales in comparison, doesn't it, to what we have in here? Because the sun, the Son of God, is shining today. And we are so grateful. You're healthy, and you're able to assemble here. You have freedom of movement. But we have some folks who are desperately ill and in need of our prayers. And unfortunately, there is a prohibitively long list of sick people. However, I want to share two with you. One would be Sandy Bonham. She is really struggling right now. So please be praying for her and for Chuck and their family as she is dealing with terminal cancer. And also Todd English's mother, Edith English, is going to be having some spinal surgery on Tuesday in Memphis. And it's a pretty serious and extensive surgery. So that family has asked that we be praying for them. We're glad for our own health, aren't we? Two of you are, and I'm glad for that. We are, aren't we? Aren't we thankful? But let's not forget those who suffer. And as we pray this morning that God will bless us, Today, as we meditate on his word, we're also going to be asking God, please bless those that are suffering and, and unable to be here. But I'm glad you are. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, thank you for a beautiful day today. Thank you for so many rich blessings. Thank you for this occasion now that we can participate in this time of worship that, well, it nourishes our souls, but it gives us opportunity to praise and adore you. And Father, I'm, I'm just excited about the prospect of being a part of your family that lifts you up in the way that we do. You are truly magnified today. We thank you, Father, for our own health and strength. And that enabled us to make the decision to assemble here today. And we are also glad for that decision. And we pray, Father, that you'll bless all of us according to the desire that we had to be here, our yearning and longing to participate in this worship. But, Father, we know those who are sick. And I know that Sandy longs to be here. She wants to be with her brothers and sisters in worship, but her health makes that impossible. Father, we just pray that you will strengthen her and help her to be able, uh, maybe through the, the medium of uh, the internet, to be able to participate in our worship here today. And we just pray, Father, that she will know by her experience that we all are praying to you on her behalf. And we pray for good quality days for her and her family. We pray for 
uh, Edith English, who is facing surgery this week. We pray, Father, that you will be with the surgeons, that they'll use incredible skill that they have to be able to promote healing in her body. And we pray that the surgery itself will be a success. And we pray that the aftermath will be a result that everybody had hoped for. And we pray for her family as they rally around her. Now, Father, as we focus ourselves intently upon this study of your word, I pray that you will make it effective and alive in all of us. I pray, Father, that you will help me to communicate so much the importance of seeking you and magnifying you. And then I pray that the response of that will be that all of us will be more cognizant, more aware of the joy of our salvation and of just the the natural response that it elicits in us to lift you up. Help us, Father, um, more than ever before to adore you and praise you for who you are and to seek you with gladness. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So let all those, and that would be you and me, let all those who seek you have this sense of gladness related to that seeking, to rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, that is nonstop, the Lord be magnified. Are you enthusiastic about your being here today? Are are you enthusiastic about your relationship with the Lord, with his body, your part in the church? I sure hope so. Because enthusiasm reflects two important things that Christians hang on to. One is excitement. There ought to be a lot of excitement in us knowing that the course of life that we have chosen in following Jesus is going to result not just in a sense of our salvation now, but of eternal salvation and life with God forever and ever. Isn't that great? Isn't that something to be excited about? And then the other side of enthusiasm is interest. You, you will hear me a lot of times, especially in a Bible class, I will say, Now, this right here is very interesting to me. I don't ever do this, but I would suppose that if I took a record of the most words I use that are over a couple of syllables, (laughs) it would probably be that word interesting. Because when I search the scriptures, I find it to be of great interest. And the things of God are interesting because they are never stale and dull. When I think about the Word of God, what does it say? It's living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's living and powerful. And because of that, it, it makes a difference on the inside and the outside of us. So our enthusiasm for the things of God ought to be as is described right here in our text. 
We ought to be the kind of people who are seeking after the Lord, and as a result, we are filled with gladness and we rejoice. And we ought to also, because of our love of the salvation that God makes possible through Jesus, be a people who just stop and say, the Lord be magnified. So the Boonville Church of Christ, you and me, can we say that about ourselves? Can we say, yeah, Ken, we are enthusiastic because we have a sense of excitement and we have a sense of interest. Not only do we have the capacity for the emotional aspect of it, it just makes us feel great, but it also challenges our thinking. I want us to break this text today from Psalm 40 and verse 16 into the two parts that it naturally divides itself into. And I want us to think at the outset about seeking the Lord. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. I would ask, why is it? Why in the world would I seek the Lord? Here's something I don't want you to ever forget. Now, I certainly don't want you to miss it as you are assembled here seeking the Lord. But there may come a time in your life when you're not as you are in this moment. Please, no matter where your life takes you, remember that if you will seek the Lord, if you will do that, you will find Him. So even if hope is lost in a moment, if you will get your mind right and you will seek the Lord, here's the promise that Scripture gives you. If you will seek Him, you absolutely will find Him. Now David wrote this text, so I'm thinking about David for a moment. And boy, I remember David's enthusiasm, excitement, his interest in coming to the worship of the Lord. In Psalm 122 and verse 1, he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Man, he was glad. That's how we ought to feel. And sometimes we will even quote that text, right, before we begin a worship, just to remind ourselves of how glad we are to be assembled together. But I think that is especially noteworthy coming from someone like David. You say, well, Ken, it's not surprising to me. He is the great psalmist of Israel. Of course he was glad when they said, let's go into the house of the Lord. Let me give you a little history. Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 2. Now, you may be trying to think, what's that one popular verse there in Deuteronomy? It's not one you probably would normally think of. That text actually tells us that the illegitimate child, the result of an illegitimate relationship, is not allowed into the assembly of the Lord up to ten generations. You say, well, that's, that's incidental. Okay. Illegitimate child 
not allowed into the presence of the Lord with His people to the tenth generation. Well, over there in Matthew chapter 1, you have the genealogy of Christ. In verses 3 to 6, there's an interesting section of ten generations. That section of ten begins with a man by the name of Judah, which is significant, right? Out of the tribe of Judah was going to come the Christ. Wow! There is Judah and Tamar, who have children Perez and Zerah. But wait a second. I could read that casually and miss the whole story. You see, Tamar was actually originally the daughter-in-law of Judah. Tamar had been promised to Judah's son, and he died in sin. Promised to the next son, he died. Promised to the next one, never really got around to getting them together. Probably because this son was so young and unable to take a wife. And so, because a promise had been made to Tamar, Tamar takes matters into her own hands, dresses up like she is a harlot, and traps Judah. Judah and Tamar conceive, and out of that are born two sons, twins. Illegitimate. The countdown to ten generations lands, guess where? (laughs) Starts with a D and ends with a D. D- David. I'm just imagining in my mind, just putting together a scenario. Did it work out this way or not? I'm not sure. But here's the scenario I'm thinking about. David said, You know what? Every time anybody said, Let's go into the house of the Lord, I was glad because I'm the 10th generation. I, I am free of the burden of the sin that kept my family away from association with the Lord. And I'm telling you, I am so glad. But let me ask you this question. Why would someone who had the burden laid upon him of ten generations, how is it that someone so desirous, so enthusiastic, so filled with excitement and interest in the worship of the Lord would come to the place and say, oh, I'm so glad. It isn't just the weight of that, but this very same David, who now has within his own hands to restore the place of his family in the assembly of the Lord, carelessly enters into sin himself. But thankfully, I guess, the yearning of that relationship with God the desire of many generations to be close with God, when his sin is is confronted, he, he immediately confesses that sin. He repents of it. He is restored to fellowship with God. And listen to the moaning of his heart from Psalm 51 verse 4. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. I feel it on my soul. I so long for you. So much so that in the grieving words that are expressed, by the time he gets to verse 10, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and restore 
a steadfast spirit within me. Lord, just purge me of this and restore me. That grief that he's expressing there is actually in some ways expressed in the New Testament too. Paul said something similar in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. He says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Earlier he had described his past life a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But thank the Lord he had received mercy and grace. Maybe we feel that way. Not compared to anybody else. But when I see myself in the shadow of my Savior and my grievous sin becomes so prominent, I could say with Paul or David that I am the chief of sinners. But the redemption that David expressed there and having a clean heart and being restored, that's also reflected in Romans 4, verses 6, 7, and 8. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Is that a blessed condition or not? To be a sinner, but to be a repentant sinner, unable myself to remove my sin, but thanks be to God, He can set me free. What ought I to do? I ought to seek the Lord so that I can have gladness and I can rejoice in the forgiveness of my sins. Seek the Lord. I have in my office a printed text framed to remind me of that very thing. Is from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Know that one? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and then He, He will direct your paths. If I'm seeking the Lord, it's not by my own means. It's by giving myself over to the Lord. We need to seek Him because our path is not sure. We don't know where we're going. In Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23, it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Jeremiah says, don't be fooled about that. You don't know where you're going. It's not in you to know. It's in you to seek the Lord and then to trust Him. And so, right there's David. Got all this baggage. But despite the baggage... He's able to be restored to fellowship with God. Are you stuck? Maybe you're stuck in your past. Maybe there's some sin you committed so long ago, but it still tortures you. Are you stuck in your current circumstance? Maybe it's something that is gnawing on you right now. It's bringing you down. You're struggling to deal with it. Can we just put it as blunt as possible? Are are you stuck in sin? 
That is, either you slipped into it, or Lord forbid, you just went headlong into it. But there you are, and you are stuck. You are in a, a deep, miry pit of sin. What can I do? I'll tell you exactly what you can do. You can seek the Lord. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 27, that text says, in a scenario that is for not only that time, but for all time, God's desire is that we will seek after Him and grope for Him, though He is not far from each one of us. The idea there is we are in a desperate situation. I'm in a deep pit. There's no way I could reach God. No, but God's reaching you. God is right there. You want to be lifted up out of that terrible pit? Then seek the Lord while He is near. Grope for Him as though you were in the dark and you can't even see where He is. And the Lord says, I'm right there. You've got me. I am not far from you. You know Isaiah 40, verse 31. You probably have that plaque in your room somewhere. The text says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You say, well, Ken, that's, you know, that's what I'll just, I'll wait right here. You know, I'm in my pit. I'll just wait right here for the Lord to do something. That is not what that text is telling us. That text is telling us that we're seeking Him. We're trusting Him. We know that He is our deliverer. So what we're going to do is we're going to wait on Him. Literally to mean, I'm going to wait on the Lord expectantly. I know He's going to act, and what does that do for me? That empowers me to walk, to run, and to soar. So please, please don't ever forget, no matter where you are, however deep in a pit you find yourself, please remember that if you will seek the Lord, that you'll find Him. And then you'll be able to rejoice and be glad in Him. But also, we want to we magnify Next slide, please. We want to magnify the Lord. Let such as love your salvation continually say, don't stop it, the Lord be magnified. Why would I want to magnify the Lord? Well, in this special moment right here, we want to magnify the Lord because of our salvation. We are, we are in love with salvation. Okay, so what's it mean to magnify? To magnify means to enlarge our perception. Now, I don't know what your perception of God already is. It may be huge, or it may be small. Let's just take a moment and think about the attention that God can muster. Talk about a moment that you cannot ignore, the creation. 
<laughs> and even if you don't believe that God created everything, you still walk outside and you're impressed with what you see. You're like, where'd this come from? You know, scientists who don't want to deal with serving God will come up with all kinds of notions, but even in their lies, they come up with stuff that's practically beyond their comprehension. So I'm telling you that creation is a big thing. You can't ignore it. And then there's the flood. Uh, you might ignore it, but uh, typically, I mean in terms of study, but actually God made it so that you could ignore every time you see a rainbow. That's to remind you of the promise never to do the thing that He did. And that is, He sent a flood that encompassed the entire earth and it destroyed all life save those who were within the ark. And as terms of humankind goes, Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. Shut up in that ark. That's something you can't ignore. And then regionally, a big movement, something that when word traveled impressed everybody, and that was the matter of the exodus. You know, this, this group of slaves have now freed themselves from the most powerful nation on earth. How in the world did they do it? Well, their God got the credit. Can't ignore it. When they went into those Canaanite regions, the Canaanites were afraid of the Israelites because they knew that their powerful God was with them. And so, no, can't ignore it. When you get to the New Testament... There are moments we can't ignore. We can't ignore the virgin birth. We can't ignore the crucifixion of Jesus. And then subsequently, we can't ignore His resurrection. We can't ignore His spending time with His disciples in preparation and then ascending to the Father where He still reigns. We can't ignore the fact that His work was accomplished on the day of Pentecost when the Gospel was preached and 3,000 souls were added to the Lord's body in obedience to the Gospel in baptism. You cannot ignore those things. They're huge. But it blows me away that the one thing that every single one of those events that you can't ignore we're actually pointing to is the one thing that most people do ignore. You say, they don't ignore Jesus necessarily. That's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our salvation. He said, let those who love salvation, they're the ones who are going to continually be crying out, the Lord be magnified. We love salvation. But so many people see that as unimportant or something to be delayed. I'm going to imagine that even within this assembly here today, if we went through that list of eight things that we notice from the Scriptures, we say, yeah, every one of those is a monumental event. But if I say salvation, which is the thing all of it pointed to, we say, eh, eh, someday maybe, or whatever. I don't get that. Salvation isn't a thing. Salvation is the thing. That's what we all need to be able to rejoice in this way. To have this enthusiasm, excitement, and interest in the things of God. We seek the Lord because of our love of the salvation that He makes available to us. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 20, where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not please God, it, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews' assembling block and to the Greeks' foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God stronger than men. Even in Paul's time, an apostle of Jesus Christ, inspired when he speaks, he's speaking as the oracles of God, the direct message of God. But there were many who just rejected it. They could have said throughout history, those are important events. I can't ignore it. But I'm ignoring you about your talk concerning salvation. He says that those who love your salvation, they continually say, the Lord be magnified. In loving salvation, and I'm not just talking about the change that takes place spiritually where we are born again. But when we love salvation, not just the initial act and its result, but the life that follows indicates that a significant change has taken place. Peter describes it this way in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. He says, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, listen now, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Okay, yeah, get the incidentals, so to speak, out of the way. He sure didn't make a lot of changes in you. Yeah, that's true. But as a result, we are a changed people. Not just some things changed, we wholesale changed. And now we become the people who proclaim the praises of Him. In other words, we are the ones who are the magnifiers. We magnify the Lord because we love our salvation. In Psalm 126 and verse 3, you know what the Lord's done? You already know, even if this text were not in the Bible, He's done great things for us. And what are we? Uh, we are glad. Are we not glad? Are we not enthusiastic? Are we not filled with excitement and interest in the things that God has done? Listen, if you are one of those who magnifies the Lord, then you know the power of the Lord. But are you in a pit today? Something from your past? Some current circumstance? Sin. You know what you need to do today? The thing I told you, don't forget. Seek the Lord. Ken, when will I arrive at my destination? When will I find Him? You'll find Him right now. 
He's not far from each one of us. It's not the Lord that moved away. It was you. You take the first step and He'll meet you right there. Today, do you need to take that step out into the aisle? Come and repent as David repented and be restored to fellowship with the Lord. If you're not a child of God today, have your sins washed away. What in the world are we waiting for? All of heaven and earth moved. History testified to our salvation. It's for you today. If there's anybody who needs to respond, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing this song. Have you been to Jesus for the place he found? Are you washing the blood of the Lamb? Are you
As we enter into this part of our worship assembly this morning, it's always fitting and proper to meditate and to reflect upon what it is that we are about to do, but also why we are doing it as well. And of course, simply stated, it is to remember the suffering and the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the 22nd Psalm, David penned these words in the form of a question. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in Matthew's account of the crucifixion, we find there in about verse 46, Jesus on the cross repeating the words of David. Why he uttered those words remains open to speculation, but what we can conclude is that they were uttered in the midst of immense suffering. And so as we partake of this, let us remember the price that was paid to secure our redemption and to give us the hope and the promise of salvation. And the emblems are prepared. If there is anyone that has not received them, the ushers will provide them for you if you will Raise your hand and make that known, but let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come and we thank you for all things that you give us, but most importantly, we thank you for bringing your only begotten Son into this world to be the perfect one-time sacrifice for forgiveness of sins, and as we partake of this emblem of the bread that represents his body. May we remember the sufferings that he endured, and may we remember that he did it because you and he love us immensely and that you desire for us to be with you for all eternity. And for these things we ask, and in Christ's name, amen.
in another prophecy foretelling of the sufferings of our Lord Jesus and the things which he would endure, the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah the 53rd chapter, another very well-known text undoubtedly to many of us, sometimes referred to as the suffering servant. Isaiah, by inspiration, concerning the sufferings of our Lord in verse 5, verses 4 and 5, he says, Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The, the chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. Other translations will render that wounds. And you can see the Apostle Peter speaking of this and using similar imagery in his first epistle in 1 Peter chapter 2. And so in addition to the piercing of his hands and his feet, prior to that, he endured a scourging, a form of beating that very few people would even survive. Blood was shed. John tells us that when they came and pierced his side, that both blood and water came forth. And let us again remember that it is by his blood that we are cleansed and forgiven our sins. As we prepare to partake of the fruit of the vine, let us remember that purpose. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you so much again for bringing Jesus into this world, for him taking on the form of a man, yet living without sin, so that he again can be our perfect one-time sacrifice, taking all these things upon himself because he loves us. As we partake of this fruit of the vine, may we remember his death as we are instructed in your word, and may we do so in a worthy and pleasing manner. And for this we ask, and in Christ's name, amen. And apart from remembering the death of our Lord, we of course also, as we're reminded in Scripture, have instructed instruction rather, not only on how we are to give, but to why. The Apostle Paul speaks of it in 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, and 
2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, he speaks a great deal of that. And we have here by convenience various ways in which this can be carried out. And those options are, of course, there for you on the screen. And in whatever way that you choose to do that, let us again pray. Our Heavenly Father, we again come before you. We approach you for thanks of our material blessings and for the opportunity which we have to set aside and to give back unto you a portion of the monetary funds with which we have been blessed. And we pray your blessings upon our elders as they from time to time make decisions on how these funds are to be used and grant them wisdom as they do so and that it will be done in a way that will be pleasing unto you and will help us to go forth and carrying out your word and bringing the lost unto you. And for this we ask, and in Christ's name, amen. Before Todd comes and uh, makes our announcements today, I want to impress upon your minds that we have a fantastic event that's going to be taking place in just six more days. Our Living with Loss workshop is just a few days away, and again, I want to emphasize this is a tremendous outreach opportunity, and all of us, first of all, need to be involved in inviting others to come and be a part of this. There are literally countless people all around us who are hurting tremendously because they've lost loved ones. There are those that want to know how to better minister to those who've lost loved ones. And this is something that is very important, and it's something that we have an opportunity to impact our community. But you know, secondly, we need your help in several areas so that this event is going to run smoothly. This is our home court, so to speak. And we need to make sure that this is a great event, that it sheds a very positive light in our community. And we need you to volunteer to do several things. We need those who are greeters, we need those who will uh, help with the coffee and donuts set up. We need lunch servers, and we need those that will be involved in the cleanup. And so there's work for everybody to do, but if you will, as you walk out those doors today, there are sign-up sheets in the foyer with those categories. And I hope you'll sign that list and determine that you're going to do what you can to make this event successful, number one, by inviting others to come, and number two, doing what you can as a volunteer to make Saturday and Sunday a success. And so, as I always like to emphasize, we need to work as if everything depends on you and pray as if everything depends upon God.
just wanted to remind everybody that we are having the area-wide, we're hosting the area-wide youth devotional tonight. Uh, so there will be no Bible classes and there will be no kids singing tonight. Uh, we do ask if we can kind of leave some of these front pews open. I know that's not a problem for most of you, but uh, leave some of these front pews open for the, the kids tonight. Uh, I also need, I need desserts. We've got the rest of the food taken care of. Brother Tommy's got most of the food taken care of, but I do need everyone to help out and bring some desserts for everyone tonight. Um, so that'll be, that we'll start at five. I also want to make one last attempt to uh, promote our youth and family retreat. So this is for, primarily for our youth group and for their families, your, their parents or, you know, whomever, just take care of them. And uh, I know a lot of you parents are like, I am not going to a camp and sleeping in a cabin all weekend. Well, that's fine. That's why I've arranged for uh, our speaker, Brother Ralph Gilmore. He's going, he's going to be speaking between 10 and 2 on Saturday. If you are not a camper, you can't do all that, we'd love for you to at least come up for Saturday and spend Saturday with us, at least the first part of the day. And uh, he's going to be speaking to the kids. He's going to be speaking to the adults separately um, and speaking to them together. And it's going to be a lot of, a lot of good information from him. Also, uh, if, you were ever, if you ever went to Boomville Bible Camp way back in the day and you just want some nostalgia... We're going to be at Lake LaJoy group camp for this retreat. If you just want to pop over and visit, we would love to have you there. Uh, main thing, though, is I do, we are trying to get some numbers together. I need, if you're anything over 80% sure that you're going to go to this retreat, I need you to sign in the back. The sheet right back here to the left, the whole weekend schedule's back there, what it's all about. You can read about it. I need you to sign that sheet if you're only going to come on Saturday, I need you to sign the sheet and write Saturday out next to it. Uh, we're just trying to prepare food and everything and get everything ready for that because that's in two weeks, two weeks from now. Thank you. Good morning. If you're visiting with us this morning, we are glad that you made that decision, and we ask you to come back to us anytime that you can. Uh, we had 308 in worship this morning, and as always, be mindful, if you did not pick up a bulletin, do that before you leave. There's a pretty extensive prayer list on there, so be sure that you are aware of that. As uh, these two gentlemen were up here making these announcements, I was trying to cross off that I already had on mine, so if, I, if we say something twice this morning... Well, maybe we'll have it covered anyway, but just a few extra announcements that I have. The Golden Circle will be going to Miss Magnolia's in Corinth tomorrow morning. The bus will leave at 8.30. Uh, devotional at Landmark nurse, Nursing Facility this afternoon is at 4 o'clock. See Doug Smith or Jim Estes if you can help with that. Uh, also, our last to leaders, recognition night will be next Sunday evening, May 1st at 5 o'clock. Uh, Sympathy is extended to Julius Lee Wells and the death of her niece, Vicki Downs-White. And also, all high school seniors, you need to sign the sheet in the foyer. Senior Sunday will be May 15th, so be sure if you have not done that, you take care of that. That's all the announcements I have. If you'll bow with me, I'll dismiss us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity that we've had to come this morning to worship you in song and praise. 
Father, we thank you for the many wonderful blessings in life that you bestow upon each and every one of us daily. Father, we have many of our number that are sick, that have lost loved ones, and ask that you comfort them as only you can. Heavenly Father, we offer up a special prayer with the Sandy Bonham family, and we ask that you continue to give them the guidance and to lean on you through a trying time. Father, we ask you to be with the elders here at your church that you may continue to give them the wisdom and the knowledge to lead all of us in a way that would be pleasing unto thee. Most of all, Father, we thank you for your son Jesus who died on the cross that we might have forgiveness of our sins and opportunity of home in heaven with thee one day. It's through Jesus Christ's precious name I pray. Amen.